Ted here. Ahoy hoy, welcome to another spectacular episode of Suggested Donation Podcast. This was one of several recordings that we made at the Figurative Art Convention and Expo. You might know it as the Face Conference. Uh, we were down there in Miami for a few days, made a bunch of recordings, and we would like to thank the organizers of the Face Conference for hosting us and allowing us to get these great recordings in. Uh, it was a fun time down there. They're planning another one uh, for next year. Uh, so Google Face Conference uh, or Figurative Art Convention and Expo to learn more about uh, what they've got in the works. should be fun. It was really fun to hang out with a bunch of painters and talk art. Also, I want to thank our sponsors, Treckle, T-R-E-K-E-L-L, 1K2Ls, brushes, panels, whatever you need, they got it. Go check them out, treckle.com, and uh, you can use the discount code SD18 on checkout and save some bucks, big time, big time. So thank you once again to Face Conference and to Treckle Brushes and Panels, Art Supplies, and uh, also, thank you, of course, to our guest, Robert Liberace, for being a great sport and uh, being so open and sharing so much with us. And lastly, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And uh, we love the um, emails, even some of the hate mail. It's kind of funny. Um, so keep it coming. All right. Thanks. Hit it, Jay. Run, run. Suggested donation. Yeah, I mean, it'd be cool also if we could have somebody working with us to like if we're talking about a painting to be able to flash it on the screen, oh, like yeah. Yeah. I think, cause I mean, it's visual and it's kind of weird that like we do this podcast and it's just a podcast. Like it's, there's nothing attached to it. So, I mean, I, I think people can look it up on their, on their own, but you know, like if you want to talk about a specific painting of yours, people can look that up or, you know, right. we yeah. could use that in the promo for the thing so that they're all like, that's the thing that they're associating with the podcast episode. And then you, they hear you talk about it. But like to actually be able to go on YouTube and see like, you know, you're comparing that to, I don't know, a Rubens or something. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh -huh. yeah, it would be good to have some of those visuals. There. Yeah. But it's good. Yeah. I mean, just to have it like, you know, just in audio format, I think is uh, fantastic. Yeah. Really good. <laughs> Do you have like a so? Do you just do you ever have like a notes of like what you plan to like talk? Or you just kind of get really. right into it? Yeah, like we that. don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just free form. Yeah. I think but sometimes it's just more honest. Like yeah. the conversation when it's free form. Like if you prepare, we're asking questions. It's, it becomes an interview, and I think that the thing about the podcast, just as a as its own thing, mm -hmm. is that it's they're not interviews; they're conversations. Mm -hmm. And I find that so – like I listen to podcasts because it's so much more revealing. I can't – like I can't watch those late-night talk shows because it's also staged and scripted mm -hmm. and it's not honest. Mm -hmm. And yeah. like I'm not interested in that. Like I, I just – I don't have the time to sit there and like they're like kind of half-assed prepackaged jokes and mm -hmm. it like when you hear somebody talk for two hours – 
it, it might meander. A lot of it might not be particularly like relevant mm-hmm. to what I'm interested in. But like the whole picture is so much more revealing and mm-hmm. so much more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like what you choose to talk about, like mm-hmm. how you curate a discussion is like everything you choose to talk about is a choice. Mm-hmm. And that's – that's revealing and it's interesting, yeah. and it, it just has an authentic, uh, you know, that nice, yeah, that authenticity. I yeah. think that's great. You know, yeah. So I think also, it, I guess it's, even if it has, it's awkward or not. You know, which this might be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. just you know, could, there's I think a, a kind of a real quality to it. That's, but I, I also people th- get. think one of the um, what's so appealing to to the work I like so much is that idea that it's something that you would get into and spend a lot of time on. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to actually talk about the thing we do, mm-hmm. the idea of just having little blurbs or prepackaged questions, it kind of almost isn't in the spirit of what we do. Mm-hmm. Like it's this involved thing. So if we're going to get into the the meat of something, especially talking to people we admire, and mm-hmm. is I want to have a long-form conversation mm-hmm. to really understand maybe what, what they're doing and you know, selfishly, why it, how if 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 I'm doing the same thing or mm-hmm. be inspired by it or something like that, and I think that's what's good for the audience is that they're hopefully inspired by the conversation because it isn't just the stuff you might read in a blurb in a magazine mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. It's like it's usually so much more involved. It's mm-hmm. so much deeper, you know, than that. So, um, kind of putting that out to the world, I mm-hmm. think, is a pretty special thing. At least that's what we wanted to do and we've gotten some good emails and people well, the response that and I some bad emails part of the internet well it's the same thing everybody's yeah. so fast yeah. even their reaction isn't yeah. thought it isn't yeah. thought out like yeah. people used to have to write letters mm-hmm. about reacting to something or even if they were yeah like i didn't agree with this but they had to actually take time to write you, it out sir mr wilde are a damned fool <laughs> <laughs> i was actually trying to That's get my son F-U, to F-U, read F-U, the yeah, yeah, it, yeah the gentle yeah. art of making enemies uh, <laughs> <laughs> i think he's ready he's 10 uh, okay good <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Presented that way, he's yeah. Quite successful. Yeah. I think we're pretty ready too. Okay, okay, we're doing checking out. Yeah, right. yeah. So when you talk, just try to talk right into the mic. Into right? the okay. top of the mic is always Since best, but you okay. don't have to. Whatever's yeah. comfortable. And okay. Since we're yeah. working with new equipment right now, because that it's a little weird, you just kind of got yeah, me right, a like bit right more. there. It yeah. sounded okay. great. Um, yeah. So the ghost in the machine that is our computer right now. Is. But it's, it's running. We're it's running. running. We're okay. good. Right. Yeah. Good. Well, welcome to Suggested Donation and welcome Robert Liberace. Well, thank, thank you, you. For, for joining us. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. I mean, you know, I've, just, I've known not of your not just of the podcast, but also your work for such a long time. And, yeah. you know, I'm just big fans of everything you do. So just a real honor to be here. Wow. Well, it's super you. mutual. It's I remember seeing your work when I was studying and just being kind of blown away by the movement. I mean, that's the first thing, obviously, the, the, the great draftsmanship, but the idea of there were there wasn't a lot of people having this this sense of movement that I saw in your early drawings and it was really inspiring to somebody – me studying and wanting to be a better draftsman. Like nobody was doing that. Like the way – the only people at the time I saw doing that were the old masters. You know, that feeling of just like energy that everything was so stiff, you know, yeah. up to that point. When you started, was it like the only people you were 
communing with was the old man. Like that's what it's it pretty much. That, those were the initial inspirations for me and my teachers. You know, and I, I went to kind of a, you know pretty. I went to liberal arts college. It wasn't a serious academy, but they, I happened to have some really good teachers. And I had one guy named Frank Wright who was a student of Bernard Berenson, who's mm. a great art historian, who mm-hmm. was oh, yeah. especially with Renaissance yeah. art. And he helped col- uh, assemble the collection of many great American uh, museums, especially the Isabella Stewart Gardner. Oh, wow. So he worked with him at Itati in, in Florence. And, and then he's, he, as a historian, he would go around and he would look at master drawings and go into the print and drawing rooms all around Europe and uh, uh, I, I, did I mention is Frank Wright Frank yeah. Wright he's really he's just a, a great uh, great guy and he's um, uh, and uh, he um, you know with all this uh, tremendous information that he gathered during his period as a, as a historian he sort of just so generously offered it to his students and I just ate it I didn't know much about art when I first took his class um, uh, but I learned a tremendous amount about uh, just about the aesthetics of of, of drawing, yeah. and he loved early Renaissance art and Renaissance art, and I, I developed an appreciation for not just very highly finished work because he loved drawings, he, he loved ink and quick preparatory studies, and so I developed a a taste for working pretty quickly, yeah. rapidly trying to kind of create an image using interesting techniques and um, and uh, and trying to get something coherent in a short period of time that was more based on uh, you know what you were talking about more like dynamics and energy mm-hmm. rather than um, you know sight size and looking and, and organizing so it turned out that a lot of my work for early on was a little Proportional, it was pretty bad, you know. But but there was a lot of um, enthusiasm in it. You could definitely see that. And uh, like the energy that you were putting in to try to fe- get the energy out of the the figure. Yeah, yeah. So through the you know the the interaction with the materials yeah. and, the, and the model and the pose, trying trying to get that that um, that kind of visceral uh, response from the viewer just by really kind of. Getting in the drawing, yeah. and attacking, and that's what I loved about artists like you know even later than the Renaissance, Tiepolo, oh, Goya, yeah. Rembrandt. You know they were masters of quick sketches, and I really gravitated to their work, and uh, and and I uh, really inspired by their techniques, like the materials they used, and their knowledge, and how they could just distill things so beautifully yeah. uh, in a short period of time. Oh, yeah. And they were so. Uh, it's especially Rembrandt, so improvisational that you know sometimes he seemed to almost, you know, you couldn't oh, barely tell what was there. But there was just enough information that you could. You it was could like scribbly, like yeah. scribbly lines, but they were so beautifully. Well, when you talk there. about those ink wash drawings, I think of Tiepolo. There were a bunch of those really beautiful and like almost like planar breakdowns of of the human figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. was an was this? Were you? Did you always want to be an artist? No, or, when I was uh, uh, I, I always loved to draw when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. so I loved comic books, uh, Marvel comics, and I was going to ask you about comic books, especially yeah. Marvel, Marvel yeah. comics. Yeah, I, it was really DC was it, garbage. It, it, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say anything uh, screw upset the DC people, universe. but yeah, screw the DC universe. <laughs> but uh, but boy, you loved uh, you know Iron Man and the Hulk and all those things. And I would draw the, these a lot uh, when I was a kid. And then when I got into more middle school and high school, I kind of moved away from it. There wasn't really, you know, 
any art instruction in uh, any serious art instruction. You know, at uh, where were you? What part school. of the country was this? in New York? In New York, uh, in Rockland County. Okay. And so, uh, and I liked uh, you know uh, athletics. I played baseball, and so I played a lot of baseball in high school and, uh, and into college. And then, uh, and so, but then, you know, at a certain point, I. I hooked up with some really good artists, and and, and I, I just got electrified, re-electrified again. So there was a period where I didn't do much art at all. Right. Yeah. You were doing baseball. You were yeah. working on the art of, of baseball. What what yeah. position did you play? So I was second base, uh, shortstop a little bit. And, uh, you so, and John DeMartin should talk. Yeah. John DeMartin oh, yeah. was a baseball. He yeah. was a college. <laughs> yeah, I think he went a little further than I did. I just went a couple of years in yeah. college. But he, uh, I think he was, uh, you know, full full term, yeah. you know, everything. And then there were some, like, you know, um, uh, Thomas Hart Benton and, mm. and uh, you know, um, or what was it, Thomas Hart Benton? Oh, no. Bellows. Sorry. Oh, Bell- yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bellows was a, a, a pro ball player. He, oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> he he might need like a minor league, but he was he definitely grad, got got to a professional level. Well, and Kurt yeah. Flood was known for the portraits, which it turned out he didn't do. Oh, oh that whole yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, I'm gonna. There's <laughs> a good uh, HBO that. documentary <laughs> about it. Kurt Flood. Wow. Okay. Yeah. He yeah. he like he. Um, he was. I've told the story before, but on the podcast. He, uh, yeah. But he he did. Uh, he just started doing portraits of other players on the team, and they were they were pretty good, you know. I mean, not you know, but pretty good. And then all you know, people just started asking him to do portraits. So he opened a gallery, and he started doing portraits out of it. And my friend who was doing the documentary uncovered the fact that like. He was paying somebody to do these portraits. <laughs> it was just a scam. And he was like this heroic figure and the well, documentary was about that. But then they found this weird wrinkle where like – Oh, well, that's, that's, that's too bad. It's I mean inconvenient. It, it could be if it was like uh, Rubens you know, with his atelier. Uh, right, yeah, it's work, different. Uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, if, he's, if it's uh, kind of fraudulent, yeah, that's got to disappoint Although I guess yeah. in the art world now, maybe that passes muster. Like maybe if he was, I don't know, 30 years later, that, that could that – I could, think you're right because – He could get know, with yeah, it. yeah, Marcus Dobby and so many other kind of contemporary. You know, they they don't do much of their own work. Right, you know, Hearst isn't painting people. those dots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't think... have the attention span for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got lots of parties to go to. I actually, think, yeah. I actually think he. Cool. I mean, it's 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 not an exact quote, but I was reading somewhere, and he's like, when people were asking him about the dots, he was like, "Oh no, I could I." That's such a bore. I could never sit there and paint dots. And I'm like, yeah, try looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like that class really turned you around in college. It, it did. It did. He was. He was my second. The first teacher I had was very, uh, a very clear instructional teacher. He showed me the first, you know, you know, a guy named Brad Stevens about light and shadow and just how to assemble a form. Frank, though, just uh, really uh, excited me about what you can do with art, you know. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like it was equal parts like art instruction and art history and that maybe it was like mm-hmm. the art history that almost grabbed you more than anything. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, showing me all these great great artists and, and what they did and how they learned. And, and I, I thought, you know, this is something I think I'd like to do too. <laughs> you know, it looks really fun and, and uh, you know, just um, something that, that is meaningful too. And, uh, and I felt like I you know, could do it pretty well, and so I just kept pursuing it and pushing it, and then committed myself at a certain time in college. Yeah. So, since you were essentially kind of uh, um, ma- not, not making up, but mo- showing these movements that aren't 
all that possible to to hold mm-hmm. did you have to learn anatomy really well to be able to manipulate the drawing out of your head like were you drawing it out of your head a lot to get these yeah i think the, the even movement? when you do short poses a lot of it is just um, yeah and it's almost of, like a memory exercise it's like, like yeah. a quick memory exercise it, yeah exactly because you're looking and then responding yeah. and you go right to your drawing and it, it you know you, you work it and then maybe get another glance and then i you i just you know, you try to internalize all that information and then maybe manipulate it a little bit, you know, depending on your aesthetics. And even the, I did the drawing today and I tried to, um, you know, kind of bend it a little bit into kind of a classical serpentine mm-hmm. thing, even when, you know, it might not have been exactly like that. And so, um, so I think because I didn't come from, you know, an atelier, I, 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 I developed very early on this liberty to, to – Artistic license. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, you know, just change stuff whenever I wanted. It, it led to a lot of problems in my drawing, early drawing. Even now, sometimes I kind of run into problems if I invent things too much. Um, then it becomes really artificial and, and like beyond mannerism. Like oh, right. You just can't – that doesn't make sense, you know. <laughs> like a right hand on a left arm. It's just uh, kind so of So then do you quirky. like if you encounter that? I mean, it seems like you're you have this like constant your work is like this pulling between empirical and rational modes. Like mm-hmm. you're constantly trying to find this balance between everything you know that you can apply to what you're seeing and then simply everything that you're seeing. And so in in, in those instances where it starts to feel like it's Kind of going a little too rational. Do you? Are you just now? I got to look at the model. I got to. Mm-hmm. I got to see what's in front of me because this isn't. It's getting a little. Yeah. It's pretty. It's, it's exactly like that. Mm-hmm. You know that that uh, you know the uh, I, well, you mentioned before uh, Tony about the anatomy. Uh, that's uh, you know important. You know information that that I can use to help um, navigate through the figure and and even areas that are incoherent to me visually. I can't quite figure them out. I might just kind of go to a little schematic in my head and that helps me um, uh, understand it a little bit more. Uh, Like a little catalog comes up in your head and you pull out. Like the ankle bones connected. Yeah, that's kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. Like Watteau would do that. He had like all kinds of books and he would just take pieces of from his sketchbook and just attach them into different paintings Mm -hmm. and and reuse them. And and it's it's a lot like that, you know, just have all this, uh, you know, either from studies or books or information that I can kind of keep in my head. Uh, just try to use them uh, because a lot of my – even in my drawings, I do have like certain standard things that I r- do repeat a lot because yeah. I like them, you right. know, like you know, positions or gestures and things like that. And then uh, – and and so sometimes my hand just kind of automatically will draw a hand in a certain way or yeah. a leg in a certain way. It's like and, muscle memory. And then you yeah, look up yeah. and the model's hand is like totally not like that. Yeah, yeah. And then I – then I, <laughs> then I, then I'm, I'm like, Then I got works. a problem. Yeah. Then I try to bend – turn the model. No, no. You, you're in the wrong pose. You, you change your pose. Yeah. <laughs> your hand so, yeah. has to twist. You put your left hand on your right yeah, arm. the models get so much grief. It's just <laughs> terrible. I really feel bad for them. But uh, I mean it yeah. does seem like you do torture them a little bit just in terms of getting them into those poses. Yeah, yeah. Well, only if they um, submit, you know. So <laughs> other way, if they don't, uh, I don't, I, don't I, I, you know, I'll do a more relaxed, if, uh, you know, I like the model, I want them coming in, I'll, 
you know, just do something simpler and more um, relaxed. But um, but if a model is a little inspired by the idea, and a lot of them are, especially models that are physically fit and they want to kind of show off a little bit, yeah. you know. Uh, what they can do, uh, then then they don't mind a little pain. You know, so. <laughs> so how did you develop like your approach to to art? I mean, it seems like you were so you're you're drawing in college, and then are you starting to paint in college, and then getting out of college and just kind of working mm-hmm. in your studio? Like, how did that how did that transition? Well, in, in the in my school, it, there were lots of you know we had these short classes, but a lot of really good teachers, and mm-hmm. so um, you know so in, in, in my school, that's really George lucky. Washington, very I mean unusual, unusual in the university yeah. world, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's not like that anymore. Uh, you know, I you know they have their own thing now in the department, but it wouldn't be a place where I could grow. At, you wouldn't at this enjoy day. it. No, yeah, I wouldn't enjoy. Wouldn't be my thing. But right. back when I was uh, taking like mid eighties into the nineties. It was like their golden age, and uh, they had these really good instructors. And uh, they weren't academy instructors, but they loved great art, and yeah. they were trying to trying to show you, you know, this is something you can do. Kind of work, work. There's Velasquez, his Rubens, you know, his Sargent, all these really interesting people that they didn't think were anachronistic or you know old fashioned. That they were still relevant, and and uh, and and that got me more and more excited. Yeah, and so they introduced me to more. More artists, even outside of the school. So Frank Wright, his early one of his early students, was an apprentice to Nelson Shanks, and oh. so and so he was this guy named Ken Marlowe, who was a um, back in '85. He was on the cover of American Artists. He won one of their early wow. big awards, and the guy was like a Vermeer with still lifes, and then these figures that were just um, stunning, just stunning. I still, every time I look at it, I just I look at his paintings in, in wonder. And, uh, and Frank introduced me to him. And that was my first connection with something that's more academic or not so much academic, but structured. Like yeah. a stru- he came from a an atelier. He was an apprentice. Yeah. He worked very hard. Uh, he was forced, you know, to only work in a certain way. He couldn't just play and improvise. And so it transformed my idea of what art can be and, mm-hmm. and uh, what I could do with my art, you know, that do something that I thought was maybe even a little more um, – Maybe a little more elevated, at least in in my from my perception, you know, because he worked so thoroughly. A lot like they do in academies, you know, they they just kind of just go deeper and deeper into the form. When also the longer poses, I mean, that's just something like I I, I don't think I encountered that until I started, you know, probably studying with Jacob mm-hmm. was you know the idea that maybe you'd have a model pose for eighty hours or something. I mm-hmm. mean, like that's just it doesn't exist. It hardly exists anywhere. Yeah, yeah, and Jacob was really uh, kind of one of the early ones who did. I mean, I don't even know if Ted Seth Jacobs did that. He's one of his teachers did yeah. it as, as intensely as as Jacob did, and then and then he kind of then he started creating his school, and then it just kind of just went crazy. Yeah, and then you saw more and more artists from around the '90s coming out, and even before that, there was. Um, Desiderio, oh, yeah. Stephen Assale, yeah. and all these guys, and they would show in the DC area too. And and I got a glimpse of them, and it was, it was very <laughs> much different than what I was experiencing. Even in my art classes, where we were talking about these great artists, and somehow I was looking at my work and looking at theirs and thinking, "Wow, uh, there is something I'm missing here." <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what it was, but there was a seriousness uh, in the way that they approached their work. Um, and uh, really em- em- embodied the the kind of the 
eth- the work ethic and the aesthetic of, of some of these great masters. And I think that uh, artists like you know Bert Silverman, Shanks, uh, Daniel Green, oh yeah, they they kind of kept up that thing. And and so Shanks was he worked with this guy Ken Marlowe, and Ken Marlowe was in his studio for many years. He was an art history major at his at Yale, but he you know would then just take breaks and. And uh, just worked full time as an apprentice. Yale must have loved him. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. They, uh, he, he was actually going to study art originally, and he just couldn't do it. You know, they hated it. They hated what they he hated, was doing. Yeah. Yeah. He hated what they were doing. I and heard so he moved a similar story history, about but, uh, Charles Cecil, but I, I've never heard it from him. But yeah. that he was at Yale, and he just like I, I don't think he lasted very long because mm-hmm. he just saw what they wanted him to do and it wasn't what he and you know he had a strong vision mm-hmm. not sure if it's true but that it sounds very similar but i've heard yeah. that over and over so you yeah know, it has there has to be truth to it oh yeah. right. if you hear something three times it's true, it's true. yeah yeah maybe somebody <laughs> will make it's a on comment the internet. You know? yeah. let's go on the internet yeah. if it's on the internet so did you yeah. like work with him at all uh, Ken Marlowe? A little bit, yeah. Ken was a, a very um, kind of flamboyant, kind of wild guy, uh, very serious when he painted. But I didn't really see him paint too much. You know, he was always out kind of. <laughs> he was uh, like Kurt Flood. Yeah, yeah. Nelson yeah, was yeah. back in the yeah, studio. Yeah, maybe Nelson was making his paintings. And that's why they were so great. Uh, but uh, but I was uh, but I would try to get to his studio. I was in college at the time, and I would anytime I had a, 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 any kind of opportunity, I would go over to his studio and I would copy his work, and and then he would come in and just say that, that's really bad. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, it was and and he would do it in a kind of jovial way. But there was uh, and I did learn a lot. I would and I did watch him paint a little bit and and just really it just soaked in a lot because it was very very methodical and thorough and deep very very penetrating in the way what do you mean observed. by deep like what it, it, it looking in a oh, very like profound a, and thorough way right. you know and 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 capturing all that information that that he's kind of gleaning visually and that and as he's documenting it there's something special that comes through because you know he's got a wonderful touch and color and he does all these great things and and through this Im- thorough immersion Something uh, truly special comes out, that, and and uh, and, th- and that I, I excited me. That kind of um, that plunge, yeah. really, really deep into the form. And so uh, I, I, it was around the that time, uh, you know, when Jacob was starting his school, and I was thinking, oh, you know, I think I need to do something a little bit, a little bit more. Uh, Thorough, <laughs> you know. I was felt like it was just kind of scratching the surface a little bit, and so I just you know, th- he helped a lot. Subject matter wise, did you always want to focus on the figure? Yeah, yeah. Figure was always the you know from the comic books that I started with early <laughs> on, Marvel images. Yeah. I just love the Screw figure. DC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't mind Superman and Batman, but yeah. uh, you know. Oh come on! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not big into the capes. You yeah, know, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, those guys are hacks. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But, uh, but the so, figures, you kind of just wanted to do figurative yeah. work. And, and really just focus on the figure. I mean, that's, that's pretty much all I, I – I was really just interested in, yeah. in figure work and sculpture too, like the figure through sculpture and figure through drawing. And uh, and so those were the two things that really excited me a lot about Oh, I art. didn't know you, yeah. you were doing sculpture. Yeah, I did. I did a lot of sculpture uh, when I had just graduated. Our school didn't have a lot of um, figure sculpture. It, uh-huh. it, most of the stuff that I liked was in the painting and drawing department 
but uh, but the um, but the uh, sculpture I did afterwards, and I would uh, you know just learn it from uh, connecting up with some artists that I knew, some people were, who were working on the cathedral. Jay Carpenter was oh, a guy yeah. who was the apprentice of the guy who did all the Frederick Hart, and uh, and he, wow. uh, I knew him a, a little bit, and he let me come into the studio, and and I, I would just kind of ask him a lot of questions, and he was very good at, at helping me along. Well, it's know? also the best I find the best way. To study anatomy and to understand it is is through sculpting the figure. I mean, like you just get such a depth of like how a, a muscle will spiral on the bone, or you know mm-hmm. things like that that you you just you can't get them from anatomy books. You can't even get them necessarily from drawing. It's it's like sculpture is unique in that like you really understand anatomy, yeah. like doing ecrochets and things like that. Oh, yeah. It helped me a lot. I mean, you know, it was just a very uh, that fully dimensional idea about, about, uh, about anatomy that you just can't get from books. Yeah. And, and, um, and, uh, it, it, and, and what you meant about, you know, what you said about the spiraling, uh, yeah, that it's was so pretty transformational yeah. when I started actually doing it in three dimensions. It changed my drawing too. Yeah, I mean, your I drawings drew. have like a real sculptural quality. I think. Yeah, I try. Well, I don't try, but I love the uh, sense of uh, you know density and weight in like, artists like Michelangelo and, yeah. and and even 19th century Academy drawings. How they really fill the shadow in, and then all of a sudden there's um, kind of a substance there. Yeah. And so I like that, uh, like kind of transforming that flat sheet <laughs> into something that really looks almost like a sculpture. Well, yeah. I, with yours, uh, the th- things that. Um, was so interesting to me is, is where you would activate certain muscles that I know that were probably your decision to activate that muscle to mm-hmm. get the drawing, to yeah. have that weight. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if um, if you ever did dissections. Uh, did you ever go in to see exactly – it's always hard mm-hmm. when I've seen yeah. dissections to know because it's not the living muscle. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know if you you ever had that experience. Yeah, I um, I uh, it, when I was first getting into anatomy, I that's I thought, and I you know loved the whole idea of Da Vinci and Michelangelo yeah. working you know with cadavers and and I loved the Raiding stories. Raiding the and morgue, just, and, yeah, 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 and then the, you know badass. putting the bodies into the Arno, and so they loosens the skin, <laughs> and then they would take it out of the Arno and put it in the basement of a, a church of all places, and then they're cutting away bodies in, in a church, and so I thought, wow, this is great, I want to do that too. <laughs> but I never uh, actually got to cut a body. But I did talk to the the medical department over at my school, and I said, asked them if it'd be if they would be open to uh, me and maybe some other people that are interested to come and draw. Uh, and uh, he was kind of you know curious about it because he never. His name was Doctor Bone, by the way, B O H N. That a very is a great name, and so I still remember that. And so he, he's a yeah, super he's a, villain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Doctor <Yeah>. Bone. <laughs> and he was he was uh, he was fantastic. Yeah, and he, he was he didn't have a villainous bone in his body, though. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but he was great. And so uh, so I got that was my first experience were seeing a cadaver, which was very uh, hard to it's figure weird. out. It's different, yeah. right? It's really it's, it's not yeah. what you see in the anatomy mm-hmm. books. Yeah, yeah. You can kind of if you get a good body, and usually they're I. I I would see them after they were chopped oh. up by all the medical students, Ugh. and they're like you know cutting things away, and arms yeah. are you know it's like a tr- 
truncated torso, and it's very hard to even figure out what this thing is in front of you. But um, after a while, some of it began to make a little sense, and and then uh, and then I started taking students into different uh, different anatomy labs, and and I have some friends who are. Um, uh, 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 um, medical illustrators. Uh, Marie Donheimer is a, like a top uh, medical illustrator and she's got a connection with Howard University and so we've been able to get our students over there into Howard uh, the medical lab to draw from the figures there, from the cadavers there. Do you feel like that's an essential thing? I mean if you're really going to commit yourself to anatomy? to For me it, I th- it was um, important. I don't know if it's essential, but uh, but I think it's uh, you know certainly essential if you're a doctor. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah, that, you got to do that. And artists are usually pretty squeamish about that stuff. You yeah. know, that it's a ver- it seems to be unfamiliar territory. But back in the Renaissance, it was pretty. You know, it was not not an unusual thing. Well, and, they also it, didn't have like anatomy books back then. They were making the anatomy. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. Leonardo those those uh, anatomical illustrations are probably the most beautiful anatomical mm-hmm. illustrations ever made. Yeah, and the most accurate up to that point. Yeah. Because yeah, everything was from Galen before that and Galen was kind of like just trying to figure it out. He never really did, you know, cadaver dissections except for on pigs. He he, he figured out his ana- human anatomy mostly from battle scars from gladiators. So that's what <laughs> oh he, uh, yeah, he studied the bodies and he would l- open up, you know, you know, some wounds and yeah. try to fix them. But he never did a, any, um, you know, at least there's nothing documented of him actually doing a cadaver, you know, cu- cutting up a body. And there were some prohibitions even in classical times about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And then exactly. certainly in the Renaissance, it was a, a, an issue, but there were ways to get around. You could get special dispensation yeah. if you knew the right person well, that, yeah. to get yourself a good <laughs> cadaver to kind of dive into and cut away at. And so, uh, yeah, so he, so that, but I thought, yeah, I th- for me, uh, that I love that whole tradition, yeah. and uh, and I love the really understand trying to under, understand clearly what's there, not just secondhand, uh, and um, uh, and and it really uh, and I inc- would encourage artists to do it, um, yeah. uh, and I I don't I think just like you know everybody is a little. It's a little um, unusual at first, but uh, just like any medical student, you, you would get used to it. And, it, and it, it, there's a lot of knowledge that can help your art and uh, certainly help mine. So I like to – and go to the bodies exhibits too. Like that was oh, really yeah. interesting mm-hmm. when, they, when that came around. That did a big tour around the whole country and I think it was super <laughs> successful. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the idea It's of all around the world. You now know? it's yeah. – I mean it's still kind of going on, right? Yeah. It hasn't mm-hmm. stopped. No, it's going it, – they used to have one like uh, permanently downtown in New York City. In New York, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, it, I don't think Park, it is anymore. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 you know, so I don't know if it's – I think it had its wave and it might be diminishing a little bit. Uh, but there are still places where you can go to see some of the shows. So yeah. go out there, kids, and cut bodies open. Yes, that's right. That's the lesson. <laughs> Wait until yeah. your your buddy passes out because he drank too much. Just just in, investigate his lower arm. Yeah, we yeah. suggest a donation zone. Yeah. <laughs> don't any of this. We do not condone. Yeah. Dissection of drunk friends. <laughs> Although, like shaving an eyebrow here or there is pretty funny. That is, yeah. Putting a little mustache. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, um, do you feel like your art has changed a lot since this – that kind of early on um, exploration that you were doing in the human figure? I know you're still working on the human figure mindset-wise. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you feel like you've 
you're in a different place or are you still on the same path just going forward with it? Yeah, I think I'm yeah, I'm still pretty much on the same path just trying to, you know, figure out more, figure out the form and what I'm seeing and do it better and yeah. better and and you know, you got so many great examples in museums and even now contemporary artists that are just working on such a high level. You know, it's like, you know, I think I need to just like when I when I was a, a student, you know, just seeing this high level work, you see some of it coming out now thinking, wow, I I think I need to you know, focus even a little bit more, pushing things, and and um, and uh, and. But I've always, you know, with the sculpture and uh, drawing the figure, just uh, really tried to get something, you know, interesting and dynamic out of the figure. And I think I'll probably always be doing that yeah. on some level, just trying to to uh, just get something hopefully meaningful through the expression of uh, the movement and energy of the body. Well, I remember seeing your drawings early on. I think that was my first introduction to seeing your work. And I was amazed by, you know, your just incredibly beautiful drawings. And then uh, I think maybe at Pence I saw a painting and I was I – was, I didn't even realize that you, you were painting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, were you always painting all along and were you looking at drawings as a way to inform paintings or were they two separate things or, you know, how, how does that how, – how did painting develop for you and – I think it, with uh, it was it starts with drawing with almost yeah. everybody and uh, and then my first you know once I really got excited about art sculpture was kind of the thing that I really wanted to get into because you were into Michelangelo yeah and- <laughs> yeah so I love that and and Carpo and yeah and Clodion and all these great sculptures I just love that stuff and and so um, uh, but I you know just couldn't get any instruction you know from where I was uh, in college and so I went into painting and we had this guy who was this big kind of flamboyant, wild, uh, kind of Hollywood-like star painter uh, named Bill Woodward. And, uh, and he hang was out like, with a lot of flamboyant people. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> this guy was just – he would drive around in sports cars and women all over him and it was just crazy. And, uh, and, he, he, um, and he was like a Tiepolo. He's like our – you know, do these you know, just huge paintings, wow. uh, d- dramatic, large mural size, really good figures too. And so, so that was uh, – you know, I kind of got into painting through him. And then when f- my drawing teacher, Frank, introduced me to Ken, who does these very fine paintings, then I thought, oh, I think I need – I want to try to learn some of this yeah. stuff because it looks so good. Uh, I just got so seduced by painting. But then I pursued that and then I uh, did that right up you know, into the early 90s and then I um, – I, you know, with kind of fits and starts and then I, then I stopped for a period of time and immersed myself in sculpture. And then I went back to painting again. Uh, So I kind of been doing all kinds of different things, just trying to find some path. (laughs) And then the painting, I I just love. um, I love the fluidity and the flow, and uh, and uh, and you know I love looking at paintings, and so I thought I'd try to practice it too. And then, uh, and one thing that Frank had told me when I was in college, Frank Wright, is that you know you should do paintings that are like your drawings. Just paint your drawings. Yeah. And, and I said, no, no, no. I want to, you know, I want to paint like, uh, you know, like a guy. genre. Yeah, scene. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I never did it well. And uh, and so uh, and then at a certain point, I thought, well, I'm going to try to, you know, do you know, do a little like painted drawing or painted sculpture, kind of like that. And. Uh, and it seemed to work a little bit better for me, you know. Yeah. That, that uh, you know got a little more, um, not so confined through some sort of some sort of a, you know prescribed approach. You know, this is how you should make a painting. I just you know kind of 
you know, did it a little bit more on my own terms with some really good information of how to make a painting. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then it, it just seemed a little freer, a little more natural. And was like, how were you like exploring color or understanding that? Was it, well, because that's it, a whole tough. Yeah, like yeah. I remember, I mean, just mm-hmm. learning about like, you know, you you uh, where I teach at the Grand Central Atelier. Mm-hmm. You know, the students progress from drawing to grisaille to color mm-hmm. painting, and the drawing to grisaille is a pretty kind of fluid transition. And then you get to color, and all of a sudden, it's like, <laughs> yeah. that thing's – you're seeing blue in there? Like what are you talking about? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It gets, it gets pretty uh, insane when you, when you get, get into the color. And, and particularly you know, somebody who was probably Shanks uh, – an apprentice with Shanks. I mean color oh, yeah. gets really intense. really intense. Oh, yeah, yeah. They push the color, you know, just like um, Michelangelo would push the anatomy. They right. really uh, amp it, amp it up. And show it off uh, to a, a point that it's like almost extra real or supra real or something yeah. like that. It's a little bit in a different realm sometimes. Uh, you know, they, they uh, you know, work from that kind of Provincetown color school, Harry Henschey yeah. uh, ethic, uh, you know, where where you, uh, you know, paint things Soraya-like on the beach, bright colors. Yeah. Glasses of water yeah. right behind the <laughs> yeah. swimming pool. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's kind of you know, nice, nice uh, studio atmosphere. Yeah. I think yeah. uh, I never did that, but uh, but I uh, but I was kind of intrigued with that approach and and how they were learning color and how they were kind of pushing color and I and I tried to um, tried to understand that too, you know. And and um, Ken Marlowe was, I think, a great master at that. You know, just a tremendous uh, subtlety. And nuance, uh, you know, with strong color and and um, but this Vermeer-like atmosphere, and uh, so I I, I just uh, tried to um, I didn't do color studies or anything like they do in Caminati and mm-hmm. yeah. the Provincetown Color School, but but I did just try to just look and try to see if I can look hard, right? And <laughs> look see hard. what they're seeing, yeah. yeah, yeah, because they were seeing stuff, I, and it was like you know you you must be making that up, you know, <laughs> and then after a while you can at least you can begin to get little whiffs of these things that they're seeing and, yeah. then, uh, and then you see how they are treating these little suggestions of, of hue right. and, uh, and then how they play with them and, uh, and then I started trying to do that too, you know, just trying to explore color and and uh, not as formal a way as they did, but but just uh, but I did adopt, I did, or steal you know, I, <laughs> I mean the guys like uh, Steve Early and uh, and uh, 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 and Lee White, you know, these, yeah, they're just yeah. uh, tremendous painters and they have such a keen uh, sensibility to color. You know, yeah. I really love what they do. And, um, and I, you know, I, I don't kind of quite go into that, that range because I get very uncomfortable. I go back a little more to my <laughs> monochrome color range. But, but, I, but I appreciate it. I, I yeah. think I, I understand what they're trying to what they're trying to do and a little bit and and then uh, and I try to adopt some of those ideas too. Yeah. I always yeah. thought uh, when I saw your paintings that it was much more of a controlled palette. I always figured you were going to be like, "Oh, no, no, no. I like everything is very controlled, very almost like pre-mixed." Oh, yeah. Cuz yeah. there's a uniformity there that mm-hmm. I was not that you can't get uniformity yet with the big bright palette mm-hmm. but with, when i saw yours i just had this feeling like oh he must be very controlled about his mixes it seems oh, very yeah. everything is like in its right place mm-hmm. so well, well i think uh, yeah the uh 
the, the like you know Ken and Nelson Shanks and all those incumbent I mean they're they're like a pastel set of of colors on their palette yeah. you know they squeeze out just about every color it seems <laughs> that's ever been produced colors. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, they have huge palettes and all of that and, an anxiety and, attack yeah. just looking at yeah them. <laughs> yeah and I always did I never <laughs> quite could um, juggle and manage that many colors and and uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, I tried but I you know just wasn't so I I limit my palette a lot I use bright colors but I limit them a lot and then I just mix them to create more neutralized because if I start with uh, like um, ochres and siennas and umbers and things like that um, then my my palette just really dies very fast and my lights also diminish a lot too so so it helps me amp the sense of illumination a little bit more and uh, some of the chroma because it gets yeah. uh, some chroma yeah. richness in there that I might not have if I just use some some more um, umber colors. Yeah. Well, particularly when you get in those higher values, you need a lot of chroma just to fight the white. Otherwise, the white just like kills all the you know. Yeah, you can get that chalky kind yeah. of dull effect, and and uh, though sometimes I love uh, even in in uh, like Dan Sprick's work, his white sometimes goes like so white they almost like blast out into like blown out <laughs> wild like whiter than white lights. Uh, I don't know how he you can does see that. that. I don't know either, but I, I'd like to. That maybe that, that's gonna be my next thing. I'll try to. Learn. <laughs> <laughs> to like blow the lights out effectively uh, because uh, because that could be really interesting. Like a vide- videographers will do that play with light and oh, amp yeah. the, the, the illumination, so the color is almost a little gone, and it's just intensity. And uh, so it's just uh, so there's a, almost something just highly spiritual about yeah. managing pure white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty I, interesting when you watch films and you have like you know the Coen Brothers or somebody who have some of the best you know um directors of photography where they would play with the lighting not mm-hmm. only the lighting the camera settings or whatever but just to get a, a feeling like a mm-hmm. vibe in the air yeah so i try to get i try you know for myself i try to be aware of things and then i forget mm-hmm. but yeah. there are things i'll see and i'll be like oh that's just like the moodiness of that mm-hmm. seems so interesting and like try to write down sometimes i'd like write down this movie at this scene yeah is like mm-hmm. a beautiful palette or something mm-hmm. like or a beautiful texture that yeah. you're feeling to see if mm-hmm. that can make its way into creating like a narrative or something. So um, do you – are you going to continue painting? Meaning the idea of like are you going to explore – you're always exploring – I mean like we all are but the idea of what do you – what are you working on in the sense of where do you see yourself going? You know, I, I, you know I've always loved uh, you know, the big ambitious work, everything from my teacher to mm. you know, great you know, p- people painting on ceilings and things like that. I mean I always would, – I would love to do something just a little bit more than just uh, you know, you know, just something a little, little uh, grander. Get like you know? a b- yeah. great big church yeah. commission. Yeah, yeah. Just... I, I'd, I'd do something like that. Would that, that. be yeah. interesting to you? Somebody was like, "Hey, we want you to do a giant mural." Oh yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love to do a big mural. You know, and and I, I you know, I've done a, a few here and there, but not that many. And yeah. uh, and uh, and and you know, I I think I'd love to see you know to try to learn how to manage scale and and uh, uh, and do something that's you know kind of large uh, I would know. love to say yeah. I mean I think one of the things that I that to me stands out so much about your work is the the rhythmic quality and the, the I think when I see a lot of people kind of trying to I don't know do those sort of red chalk drawings and in the vein of Michelangelo I often find that the thing that they miss and it's definitely the thing that I I see in your work is just how every little like 
every boundary is connected. It's like this swirling rhythm, like this tornado mm-hmm. that kind of harmonizes all these atoms and makes a person. And it, mm-hmm. it seems like that's the the thing that's exciting about Michelangelo's work. And I, I see it in your work and the idea of you do, sort of extending that to sort of harmonize a bunch of figures together mm-hmm. would be – I mean I, I would love to see that. Yeah, yeah. So I think doing something that's you know, a little more ambitious I think would be would be Something that you think yeah. you'd want to explore in mm-hmm. the future. Yeah. It's yeah. hard though in the – I think the one – I mean I, I think people in our world uh, of the, our kind of part of the art world are, are finding you know plenty of success in terms of being able to sell paintings and live. But mm-hmm. – the the big public commissions like I don't think I I don't see a I mean like we've got Sabin doing that mm-hmm. that World War yeah, One and so maybe it's it's changing and I I sure hope it is but yeah. we don't have a whole lot of institutional support mm-hmm. yeah and it is pretty rare like and, a, a yeah. lobby of a government building or something like that that would be perfect for doing a large scale ambitious work by you know artists like you or any of our colleagues to give them this chance because to take the chance on your own to do something that might take a year or two depending Mm -hmm. and all the work that goes into it is – it's like financially limiting sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's just like I have all these these ideas that I want to do and I know – I'm speaking not for me but just as a person, as an artist that I know I would love to do um, but – uh, financially, it would be just possibly a disaster, even yeah, though you yeah. want to do it. So it's like to get the support from um, whether it's government or just the public mm-hmm. to want this stuff out yeah. there, or to at least say, "Hey, here's a giant grant that goes towards these big, beautiful, ambitious mm-hmm. things." I yeah. think is incredibly important. And I don't know. I mean, we've had so many conversations of like, how do we? Um, amongst each other and our colleagues, how do we influence mm-hmm. those people to be able to say, you know, we need to give you like mm-hmm. this grant to yeah. do this mm-hmm. thing that we know we can see your work that we would be like, hey, turn it up, turn mm-hmm. it up a bunch of notches. Yeah. We want to yeah. see that, and I think the public wants to see it. Yeah, it would it would be uh, great to, to to find some way. I think there are some artists like um, you, you see. Uh, um, uh, Josh, uh, Joshua, uh, Josh Larock, uh, and yeah. Michael Klein, and yeah. they, and they're, they're you know creating a little place in Raleigh, and then trying to get the word out that you know here we are, yeah. and we're available, and we can do some <laughs> really amazing work, and then and, and just events like this and groups. Uh, yeah, we're at the Face yeah, Conference, yeah. by the way, in Miami. Yeah, it's a uh, it's you it's know. A nice way to get together with people. Yeah. yeah, it is. And and I think that they're reaching just beyond artists and they're they're finding, you know, potential donors and 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 patrons and and uh, things like that that can can really uh maybe support interesting projects on a grander scale uh you know that that would be uh powerful and uh really interesting. But right now a lot of the things are so generic, especially in, in public art, yeah. you know. Uh, it's exactly what you think it is yeah. without seeing it. Yeah. yeah. Like well, what's in the space in this big new building lobby, you'd be like what you think it is? Yeah, and not who's saying it's re- good. Who's even going to remember what it is? Too. Yeah. I mean, they'll yeah. walk by it like you know, a year, two years, and they won't even know. Well, you're it, not sure it, if it's like yeah. wallpaper or yeah. if it's yeah. actual painting. Like it's just it's a sort of a design, sort of not. And yeah. you know, the, I think it's that nobody wants to commit to anything. Mm-hmm. And you know, and maybe 
it's it's it committing to something you know there's risk involved and i think everybody is terrified of that and particularly in the art world mm-hmm. where you get like eviscerated for liking the wrong thing yeah yeah and and even the people that are making the decisions i think you're absolutely right you know they don't want to rock the boat too much they want to they they know what's accepted by most yeah. most you know either government institutions or private you know, places, you know, if they're picking the artwork, they know this will blend in pretty well. Right. Nobody's always it's colorful. Yeah, 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 somebody will. Yeah. 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 But there is like there's a stadium in Philadelphia, the new football stadium, and they put in some. Uh, the Eagles? Um, yeah, the Eagles. Yeah. Eagles have a new football stadium <laughs> there. And uh, there's a guy from Brooklyn who did this this figure figurative work. Um, really interesting. He like, teaches in Brooklyn. His, his, uh, it's a little modernist. I don't know if you know this guy from the 80s. He did post, like Mark Tanzi, who did these kind of monochrome kind of figure paintings yeah, from this yeah. postmodern period. And they're kind of like that. But it was really, it was interesting. It, I didn't, you know, love the way, way yeah. it was painted, but the, they were, it was realist and it was like a whole bunch of N, uh, NFL linesmen, you know, just <laughs> cascading down and then, to fall, you know, just tumbling like into a Rubens, big pile. Like, yeah. It was like it was, kind of, it was it was like that. It was kind of crazy. And I thought, wow, that I, I never. it was shocking to see. It was featured on Monday Night Football. I saw it there. Oh, that's, I thought, oh, that's really. We should really take a of, trip to Philly and check this out. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the guy who did it, I can't remember his name, but he's uh, – He's a uh, instructor in uh, in Brooklyn, or li- his studio is in Brooklyn. Oh, at like Pratt, or he might be at Pratt. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm just, I remember People looking him up, and I it right now, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's this, you idiots. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I, I forgot <laughs> the guy's name, but I, I, it was pretty pretty cool. You know, I mean, it wasn't like he, you know, the the painting itself is not like what you get at an academy or atelier yeah. or anything like that. Well, but it's a step in the right direction. It I mean, is, it's not yeah. just like a color, a bunch of colors, yeah. like abstract thrown up that mm-hmm. doesn't you know yeah I mean I think that can benefit uh, help a lot in even individual sales of artists when mm-hmm. the uh, the public space has work that would be connected to you know things that we do as well mm-hmm. meaning there's always going to be the the paint splatter and mm-hmm. the big you know, blue canvas or something, and there's a place for that. Mm-hmm. But there can also, because there's a lot of buildings, a lot of spaces, public spaces, mm-hmm. indoor and out, that could do, that can also have things like aesthetically what we might find is very pleasing and beautiful. And I think that can trickle down to people wanting to then, you know, who are collectors, because I think a lot of people collect art. Mm-hmm. They like things in their homes. I think we were talking about this the other day about I think we're wired for um, – at least I was talking about it. <laughs> but we're wired as um, – like we like story. We're like story making and story mm-hmm. processing machines. We love the idea of a narrative and and having this – we want to get into this idea of like, oh, what am I looking at? This like this figure or mm-hmm. something. So if we can get them out into the, the public, I think then the the individuals will come around and be like, well, I want to buy things like like that in, in my home. Yeah. Or live with those Or live those, with yeah. those things in my home. So mm-hmm. it would be – because it's great to make art but if – if and people can support you mm-hmm. and, and it's great and they could say, I love your work. But eventually – if people aren't buying your work, then it's hard to create the work yeah. unless yeah. you just come and not many – not – Everybody comes. From the ability <laughs> it's so of, depressing. Yeah. Those moments where you're like, 
But all these paintings are just sitting in my studio. You know? this is uh, and then when they start to all sell, you're like, oh, I want to paint more. Yeah. So, <laughs> they can't. I mean, people can't just say, coaster. hey, we like it. Like yeah. there has to be people who would support it and buy it. Yeah. Buy yeah. people, living artists who are working and trying to, you know, up the level or do whatever. Like that's the best way to support is go out and buy art, mm-hmm. even if it's like inexpensive. Like yeah. go out and buy it because mm-hmm. that's the way to support the arts. It's yeah. not just like, hey, yay. Mm-hmm. And it could help with the corporate, like, you know, getting the corporate people on top or in it to 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 commission big works. Because yeah. I think that trickles down and influ- influences individuals mm-hmm. to want to go out and buy like Yeah. Cool I think it, it would definitely be a, a slow change, but I think it is changing. You I know, think I think so. there is a um you know, a little uh, kind of shift in the tide. Uh, How did the mural projects that you did come about? Uh, it was through – actually, the sculpture uh, – in the realm of sculpture, it, I was working with this guy who was casting some of my sculptures named uh, Gianetti. And he did – and um, um, uh, Bob Gianetti uh, had this studio where he would do all kinds of plaster casts, work for mostly government buildings. He did stuff for the White – his father worked on the White House. Wow. Uh, wow. A lot of the uh, uh, plaster work in the White House and he did some things there too and churches and things like that. And so he was casting some of my early work and uh, and he uh, he saw that I painted too uh, and, uh, and so he said, I know this guy who um, – he wants a, a design on his ceiling, and uh, um, and I and I thought, oh, that, that sounds uh, you know interesting. I'd like to try it, and so I had my <coughs> wife. Uh, I was just married at that time, and uh, had my wife, and we didn't have kids, but uh, I had a, her. Her sister had a bunch of kids, and they all posed, and and it was this kind of they classical were scene. <laughs> yeah, they were sort of like cherubs, you know. They were they were not flying, but they were on the ground, and they would have little tendril things, and and it was, it was and and my wife. Wife played this um, kind of classic maiden or something. It was, it was kind of fun. It was a fun. Thing. It was my first experience, and it was. I did it in the studio, and then they put it on up a on canvas. The yeah, yeah. Oh, and a big uh, masonite panel, and then they they put it up on the on the ceiling. And I did. I remember I did these little small uh, vignettes around it too, and so that was. Uh, that was kind of an interesting thing. That was my first one with uh, with um, Bob Giannetti. Was yeah. it hard? Did you have? Was it like a struggle, or was it something it was, that was? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know if it was like a perfect su- success. Uh, you know, to try to, you know, take all these figures and try to make have it make sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but I but I I enjoyed it. I thought you know I liked I liked the process and and it did. I, I love the idea. You know of these. Like a Tintoretto working on the scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of Can you in your eyes. Yeah. Like, ah. <laughs> yeah. But also, I, yeah. from a technical standpoint, to make it re- to look up at something and make it read, you know, like create depth yeah. from that perspective must be really challenging. Yeah, I, it, it 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 would have been if I thought about it, <laughs> but uh, but I, yeah. I didn't even concern myself with that. I just thought I'm going to do an easel paint and we'll put it up on the ceiling, and it, it, it seemed nobody really complained. So it just worked out. It I. I don't – it might have – it worked out enough. Enough. That, yeah, they didn't complain about it. Well, if it. you look at enough, uh, you know, Tintoretto and, you know, and and uh, maybe you just start to see like those big, you know, how to compose from yeah. a distance, like all those big, you know, mm-hmm. figures grouping together. Yeah. It's definitely, I'm sure, not easy. I, I would have to learn how to do that. I mean, I, even Michelangelo had to kind of break oh, so his first start, so he had to take it right off. Oh, because really? it, the perspective was a little odd. It wasn't quite working. So he, he actually, his early efforts had to be chipped right off and he started up again. 
and then uh, and then even halfway then when he started and things were going pretty good, uh, he even thought, okay, I need to change the scale because yeah. the scale is 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 a problem because all the early figures are all really small, and then once you get to Adam to the you know it goes in reverse to the beginning, then everything's you know much more monumental and they really come out at you much more boldly. So, yeah. So he, you could see even in the four years that he's working on that project, <laughs> he's kind of learning. You know, on the job, and, and kind so. of, and and seeing the struggle too mm-hmm. is just. I mean, I know for me, it's super interesting. What kind of things do you struggle with in just currently in 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 your art? Like, where are you in that sense of like, ah, oh, you know, like I'm going it. Sometimes I get it. Sometimes I don't. I, I think I think the the um, you know. I, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll do the. You know, I always want to try to make the, you know the drawings and everything better. But um, but just to do something that's kind of um, you know that's uh, authentic. <laughs> you know, that's probably the biggest thing. Is like, am, you know, am I repeating things too much? Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> okay. So what am what am I going to do to make to to still um, kind of express the things that I love, but do it in in a way that. That show like takes chances and shows growth. I think that's an important thing. That what challenges did. you? Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Like something that 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 is uncomfortable, but um, but makes you know that helps me get get better. Do and, you think uh, it's important to be uncomfortable? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think uh, you know. It's uh, unfortunately, I think it is. <laughs> I think yeah. it's a big, big yeah. deal to, yeah. be uncom- to yeah. try to be uncomfortable. Because you know, just being I hate a, it. Rel- but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that tension is important. You know, that that just that that fight that you ha- you you have that that really just um, gets every fiber of your being kind of marshaled and directed towards some mm-hmm. goal. If you're comfortable, you know, why make the effort? You know, but uh, but if if you're challenged either you know by somebody or by yourself, then then I think it's it's likely something interesting can happen. Especially you know like you know we kind of work on you know we know how to make a, something look reasonably good. Yeah. <laughs> so you know everything we you know some. It's easy basics. to fall back yeah. on that to yeah. know that you can do something that a lot of people would be like, oh, that's so good, yeah. but yeah. I'm not getting anything past you guys. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. We've talked about this a lot. Is that you kind of end up painting for your 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 friends and your peers because you know they're they're the bar that mm-hmm. you need to go up to, yeah. or or mm-hmm. you know try to jump over so they would be like ah, and getting that those accolades from your your mm-hmm. peers are really the ones that matter. So yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, they might not be commissioning you for paintings, no. but they'll definitely <laughs> make you paint better. Or, yeah, because yeah, I mean, it was great great to see what you know again that that just monumental struggle of Dan Sprick when he, he gave his talk uh, yesterday, yesterday at Face, and yeah. it was. Um, Pretty interesting to see how his his, uh, his images transformed. How he's dissatisfied. Just you know, so you could see he was very um, upset, yeah. <laughs> and, and he would just kind of just keep changing and changing until he got something that he thought you know would work. And you know, it kind of would go through different stages, and maybe an early stage was better than a later stage. But just that whole process, uh, that whole journey, I think, is something pretty extraordinary. Yeah. I'd love to have that um, that ability to go and work on a painting for such a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just don't. And it, you think about that because when I've talked to people, like when Dan Sprick was mentioning it, he's like, "Oh yeah," I said, and then like four years later, just 
kind of started painting on that painting again. I'm like, oh my god, I never even thought. Yeah. Like you hear about that all the time, but yeah. the idea of going back into something yeah. four yeah. years later to see what comes of it mm-hmm. is like I just haven't really been able to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I I, I have a. I try to like start and finish things. You yeah, know, pretty, yeah. You know, done. I, move on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just. Um, be, also, when I go over things a lot, I, I, I tend to. Uh, it sort of dilutes it, even though it gets better. You know, yeah. the, I, or like the anatomy might get better and all that. It, it tends to uh, fall apart, and so that's probably the biggest change in in my work in the last I don't know five to five years or so is I'm doing a lot less layering, um, and I just focus in an area a kind of window shade yeah. like huh. uh, but more from the middle out kind of thing and then i just just finish and then move to the next thing yeah uh, rather than dappling is that, and then redappling is, and i just keep you know just going over it and then it just not, uh, you kind of lose that of the do, initial yeah. energy that well there's like a freshness yeah. yeah 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 so i think that's uh that's for me. That's important. I can't, you know, a lot of layers don't seem to help my painting a lot. <laughs> yeah. I find also if you hold, like, if you, as you're painting, you tell yourself, like, this is it. This is my one shot. Every brush stroke, you're like, th- you're engaged with how, like, how like no you lay it net. down, and and because this is it. Like, I've got one shot to mm-hmm. make this brush stroke be exactly the right shape, the right value, the right color. I put it down mm-hmm. and just try and get it right and maybe if it's wrong I'll go right over it but mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to go back tomorrow like this is it yeah yeah I think I think that's a, a healthy approach to tr- even if you so do hard. like to layer <laughs> yeah because because uh, it does it's sort of like working from life you know just adapting and making things work within that short period of time that you're allotted to 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 you know to make a picture and uh, it, it forces you to make uh, decisions and and not uh, not Kind of dawdle or or you know just uh, fritter, fritter away the time, which I can do if I you know a lot of time. And so I think that that approach that you know, if you just say this is I'm going to finish it at, during this period, I do give myself sort of like a fresco painter would. This is my right. this is my giornata. <laughs> okay, I got to finish it this part right here today, and then that's it. Because if you're a fresco painter, you got to do it. So yeah. those guys just – they knew exactly what they were going to do. And <laughs> if they it didn't work, they had to just destroy it. And so like, you can't just paint on top of it. So Or just so. wipe it down like we would or yeah, just yeah. scrape it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, scraping. I've done a lot of that too. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but, I, but I, that's something that I think is, um, is something I'm trying to do be better at just uh, working in one shot even though I'll spend a lot of time on it. The yeah. shot might be <laughs> really small. <laughs> But, uh, you know, whatever I think I can accomplish within a whatever period of time. I sometimes shoot myself in the foot a little bit with that because I try to do that first layer I put down and I tend to work in layers. I try to get that first layer, layer as accurate as I, as mm-hmm. I can knowing mm-hmm. that I'm going to go back over it. Yeah. And sometimes it's accurate enough that I'm like, uh, I'm afraid to go over it. <laughs> Even though like yeah. the initial <laughs> – First strike of all this thing was to go back over it because yeah, I just yeah. like the way paint sits on paint, and I had to, I had to, uh, pretty much learn to just be like, just go over it. It's mm-hmm. going to look better. Don't worry about it. You're mm-hmm. not going to because it, again, it's getting into that comfort zone yeah. where I'm like, oh, I don't want to be uncomfortable and go over this thing. I just that's kind of okay, yeah. but it could be better. 
mm-hmm. and that feeling of always wanting to be a little better yeah. and, again, painting for you guys. Yeah. You Never know? make your underpainting look too good. That's well, the big lesson. Yeah. <laughs> yes, don't, like, be willing to yeah. like go over it, but don't yeah. make it look bad. Yeah. So it's yeah. like finding this happy little medium where you're yeah. like hey, – Well, it's, it's also – it's enough, so but... exciting. If the mm-hmm. underpainting is really good, it's also like – Oh my God! The painting on top of this is going to be amazing. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. so inspired to work on this because it looks so great already. Uh-huh. Like how can I fuck this up? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to paint itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. it doesn't paint itself. It never does. Uh-huh. Yeah, it just takes so much time. That. Uh, that's a labor. <laughs> how much time do you spend? Because it seems that you teach a lot too, or you're doing workshops. Yeah, so or anything? I, I do. Yeah, I teach. Uh, so I, uh, I just teach one day a week. Okay, uh, so you yeah, don't teach yeah. that much. Yeah, no. <laughs> So I, I, you know, just as a regular thing. So I teach every Friday at uh, the Art League in Virginia, and then uh, periodically I'll go off and I'll usually do a workshop for three to five days, uh, about a, uh, maybe once a month. Or are once they usually a month drawing or workshops or both? Uh, drawing and painting. And painting. painting. Yeah, so a little bit of. of of uh, both, yeah. and uh, it seems that more there's more there are more painting workshops. People, you know, like, like to, to paint. Do, yeah, they they want to do more stuff. It's yeah, like yeah. A little bit, you know, they have a little. It's more so drawing. Yeah. It's like. It's not sexy enough for people, but it's all you want to talk about when you're teaching. Yeah. I mean, like, basically, mm-hmm. that's it. It's yeah. If it was up to me, I'd just do, like, the anatomy of the forearm every <laughs> na- every workshop, and it would just be, like, me. And, We're doing legs today. You know, it's like, yeah. leg day. Yeah. leg day. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't have too many students. So, so there's a commercial aspect to that. forearms would be yeah. flawless. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Like Popeye. Yeah. Be beautiful. Do you feel uh, – do you – do you feel like teaching helps your own work a lot? Yeah, I think so. I think teaching is a good way to like, just really understand what you're doing so you can convey it to your students. Uh, and I like to see people do do the work kind of work that I like, you know, yeah. you know somewhat, you know, naturalistic, realist, classical. I, 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 and I, I, I like to see the, that effort, um, you, whether they're young or old, you know, that there is, is we, something that we both share. And, uh, and I like seeing how they kind of like, you know, develop. I, I don't want to teach all the time, but, um, but I, but I, I kind of enjoy it. And, uh, and, um, and I, I think it does, yeah, it does help me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, you know, a reasonable amount, but, um, you know, I, I don't know how, you know, just, you know, you're just not sure. Sometimes it might be just better not to think about things yeah. so much, you know, <laughs> when you're painting. is It does kind of get in the way uh, yeah. that if you're – because once you really describe something, that you, know, you diminish it a little bit, you yeah. know, like especially a great art, work of art. And I, I just, um, you know, just you just you kind of – Take the poetry out of it. Just saying, okay, here's. <laughs> There's no know, more mystery. Yeah, yeah, because there's so, so so much that's deep and resonant there in, yeah. in art. In art, and and then uh, you know, and I'm just, you know, you're just talking about lights and shadow and how to you know get things right on the paper and and um, and then you know when I'm in a studio, that's really I'm trying to get a little bit more of that and try not to just be okay. Here's a nice. Nice body, <laughs> yeah. interesting body, and interesting face, and then that's about it. Try to get something that's uh, you know that kind of whatever spark that is that we're all trying to find. Yeah. You know that kind of uh, animates. The, it's like an elusive work. thing that we're trying to find. Yeah. You know, people say it's like, oh, you're trying to find truth, and I'm like, yeah, that was like a really cool thing to say back 
you know, when we were learning. Yeah. Now I'm like, I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't exactly know what the truth is and how do you get to it? Is it like, is there truth? And I even like wrote stuff down. Like, It's also not necessarily what's in front of you. Definitely yeah. not, right? Yeah. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's something else for you. It's yeah. Is yeah. there like facts that you need that influences knowledge, that influences insight, oh, yeah. that influences like something that might be considered truth? Like I don't know what that oh, is. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think I, – to me, you know, I think what we do, we, we love to really study things and yeah. study uh, – trying to find auth- authentically awesome. what it's about, you yeah. know, physically and, and maybe something deeper than that, which I can't – I don't know <laughs> what's <laughs> authentic or truthful when you get beyond the skin. But uh, – but um, but the facts on the surface, I think, are wondrous and and worthy of intensive exploration, and just through just that pursuit, and sometimes just just the, the sheer beauty of technique. And some artists, they they just their technique is so good that they can transform anything. It's almost something. enough. Like yeah. you don't. Yeah. Need, it's just the technique yeah. alone is just pleasing enough to be like that's all i need yeah right now. yeah so because i mean there's some like you know vermeer never did a painting on a ceiling yeah, <laughs> you know right, i mean they're yeah. pretty modest in, in yeah. fact his early paintings are bigger and then he shrunk his scale and then he just he just wanted a sweet focus, spot yeah uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah those and, early paintings it's kind of they yeah. don't have that magic that the later small it's like when he found his comfort zone mm-hmm. and just was able to like dig deeper each time he yeah. like that seems like mm-hmm. he he found something that has resonated yeah you know yeah, that's a, that. There is so there is something to say for being comfortable, you know, finding a guy because he found that little window and a little corner in the studio, and it just was magic. You know, you know why go outside? Why paint anything just except for that little spot? And it was uh, in, incredible. Yeah. yeah, and then you have Rembrandt doing all kinds of crazy stuff and uh, narrative scenes and biblical, and you know, so you have all these different. Cent- it's very hard, you know, to, yeah. to to as a young artist to kind of choose what you know. To could find a path. Any you know, age and, artist, yeah, like you look yeah, at the yeah. Rembrandt and you're like, oh man, I want to paint big. And then you see the Vermeer and you're like, I'm going to paint. Small. I just got to <laughs> scale it back. Let's just you just concentrate on this one That's thing. A, it's a crazy. <laughs> and then you have like people, and well, I'm sure you've get gotten the uh, well. You know, is it our job to be like the moral, you know, purveyors of what what? Our, you know, beauty and taste should be. Mm-hmm. And at times, I'm like, yeah, we we we're good. We're, we have good authority. We have good taste. Mm-hmm. We should be the ones who are, mm-hmm. who do that. And then other times, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's not up to me to make the, <laughs> us to make the taste and everything. Yeah. But then I'm the first, or at least in my head, when there is bad taste out there, mm-hmm. where I'm like. What the fuck? Yeah. You know, like yeah. Why? Mm-hmm. Why is there such bad taste? So, yeah. I, I, for me, I have that dilemma to be to want it to contribute to good taste, but at the same mm-hmm. time being like, that's not my job. Yeah. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know what our job. You know, I don't know what my job is. I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I li- still trying I- to find that little hole in the corner yeah. of my studio. Because uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I love the idea of uh, of uh, just anybody. Uh, dedicating themselves to art, you know, just to, you know, to, to, no matter what kind of art it is. I mean, whether it's like, you know, 40,000 years ago and primitive, you know, or even, you know, I mean, I don't like abstract art or, or um, you know, things like that. But um, but I, I think it's, uh, but it's interesting that people kind of, um, you know, follow that, that, uh, that path. 
And uh, and then there's some artists like Sargent. He didn't seem to have any kind of um, agenda. Yeah. You know, he loved every kind of art. It did. You never hear him say anything bad about academic painters or modernists. You know, yeah. He just seemed to be kind of intrigued he, like, by just everything. Floated around, yeah. His own thing, yeah. <laughs> but if I was uh, in charge, yes. I'd be like, I'd, I'd be like Mussolini. You yeah. Know? I, mean, it's like, I would like that. There would be none of this. Uh, you know, uh, none of this stuff. You know, uh, you know. Performance art out, you know, yeah. Gorilla Girls, you know, you can you have a small stage over here, but yeah, the real stuff, you know, you guys. We should ask that question of every artist, like if you were in charge, yeah. what would what would yeah. your world be like? Yeah, yeah, I would be uh, pretty uncompromising. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd try to be nice, but uh, but you know, when it came down to like you know making the decisions, hand, yeah, the hand came down hard yeah. when it comes uh, down. Yeah, but if you were the curator of a, of a contemporary museum, it would look. It would be very different. specific. Yeah, it would be very specific. What would it, make yeah. it different from like a old master museum? Oh, I th- well, I think that the work that uh, that I would choose – a lot of the work that I love right now I, is uh, – I, I love uh, 19th century Spanish painting. I love Fortunis. I love oh, the yeah. precision and the dynamism, that kind of combination. There's like kind of crazy – the craziness of Goya but the, the – the real naturalism of Velasquez and Zubaran. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I really like the you know how they kind of pulled a lot of different uh, ideas together. There'd be a lot of to me a lot of things like that. You know that. Mm-hmm. that uh, but but I, I there's. Um, you know, it, it's it's that that fine kind of exploration. Yeah. It, it almost wouldn't matter if it's like smooth or or you know painterly. If somebody kind of captures uh, you know that kind of zest of the real, uh, that's what would be going into my into <laughs> my um, uh, museum. And I think I'd have a pretty killer – Kick-ass uh, museum. Oh, it would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because I go through those Sotheby's catalogs saying, OK, that, 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 that. You know, <laughs> I'm very specific. You know? It's like if I had the cash, you know, these would be my – and I'd have this awesome museum. It would be really good. Do you yeah. think our – in our little genre – what is this? Genre – Little slice of the art world that we're kind of, that we occupied. It's impossible think? to name it. I know. I, it's, mm-hmm. I, it's so Real, hard. Yeah. To, modern contemporary realism. Or yeah, something I like just that. throw everything in there. <laughs> I just don't know what it is really. You know. Do you think uh, what What do you think we're as a whole? And again, we're just kind of being general. Um, what do you think we're doing well, and where do you think we need to improve as far as getting out there? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I wish I if I had a good answer for that, I'd be, I'd be, you know, like you, you would know. be curating that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I think that you know, since the you know, there, see, back in the like fifties and sixties and seventies, I mean, that was like such a different time. That was like a dark time. Very dark, and uh, um, and it must have been very hard. You know, artists had, did have to band together and get together and really create movements. Uh, yeah. You know, because there was nothing out there, and and um, like pirates, yeah, yeah, had to get yeah. together on <laughs> the pirate ship, and they got such such abuse too. Yeah. Much more now, you know, then than than now, I think. But but um, but at this time, what I do see that's really interesting are all these schools that are coming out, that are popping out. I mean, there used to be like the Lime Academy and different places like Minnesota. There was, yeah, these interesting little kind of um, enclaves. And, uh, and then I think with uh, uh, Jacob's school was kind of the first that just made people think, 
well, maybe I can make a have a school like too. Like Water Street, yeah, yeah, the original Water Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was like a, a very um, like different, uh, different than yeah. just about any other school. It was like different yeah. than the Florence Academy at the time. I didn't even yeah. know the Florence Academy mm-hmm. when we went to Water Street. At the I think time. it was actually more established. But I think the thing that Jacob I didn't know Florence was doing yeah. was like he put that school together. It was really like more of a collective, and that yeah. like all of us who who came in there. We had jobs to make the place work because there was no structure. Like it was the first week that we were there, we were putting up walls in the space. And I there mean, wasn't like, like one person saying what each per, each person uh, each person's job was. We just we just figured well, it Jacob out. Jacob was mm-hmm. sort of saying what a little. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> we were there. We were just like, all right, uh, we need to do this, and then we kind of would just kind of do it. Kind of. I mean, he gave me an ATM card. Oh, really? I, was going to I didn't get one. I was collecting the money, depositing the checks, and paying the models. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but like everybody, ha- it didn't work, and it, and I think that, that kind of on the fly, just ma- the, the putting end, yeah. it. But like the the just throwing it together, and I think Jacob has a great ability to do that. To just have a vision for something, not necessarily figure out how you get from point A to point B, but figure like, let's just do it and it'll all work out. And it mm-hmm. does. And with that energy, it, it it seems to. And I think when people saw that, maybe it was sort of like, oh, wow, you could just do this. Like mm-hmm. it just, this guy just rented a space. There were, you know, a dozen people who wanted to work from a model and mm-hmm. they, you know, one of them hired the model and, you know, it just, it worked. I mean, yeah. it, Mm-hmm. And and just the um, the approach, uh, he set the bar very high, you know, yeah. for a lot of these uh, a lot of these academies, and so I think that uh, that also transformed how a lot of schools, even even some of the established academies, were teaching. You know, they got a little bit more <laughs> intense. You know, well, because, it was really his because own Jacob work. was kind yeah. of. Um, it's almost insane how dedicated <laughs> he was with the with form and and uh, and his drawing and and just uh, every nuance was something just very very uh, carefully analyzed and and so that was uh, you know something that I really admired you know and and then to see all those students come out of it or the artists coming out of there were really adopted the, the some of the the, the same ideals and. You know, really studied the world in, in this uh, super intensive way. Yeah. It was almost yeah. um, we almost gave each other permission to mm-hmm. go and study mm-hmm. the world a little bit. Like you were allowed. All of a sudden, we were like, "Oh, we're allowed to just sit and mm-hmm. kind of dedicate some time to figuring this thing out." And sometimes it's just that it's that almost permission slip. Mm-hmm. It's virtual permission slipping to go and do. Do something a little bit different. Yeah, study a little harder. Be a Even little bit better. Even the landscape painting was kind of unusual yeah. to see. Um, Hudson River School yeah. inspiration yeah. for landscape painting yeah. was like something that I didn't. I don't think I saw that. Like you know, unless I went into the American Wing and saw yeah. like George Innes or something. Yeah. You know, that it was like a very unusual thing to see in landscape painting, and then it transformed my idea of what a landscape could be because I always thought, oh, it's got to be painterly and. Lots of color and that kind of stuff, and they have kind of this like impressionistic. Gentle tonalities. Yeah, yeah, it was always yeah. supposed to be this impression. And that yeah. I know when we and, and fine, fine work, all yeah. the fine things in there, which I love about Spanish, Spanish landscape stuff is pretty intense. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's it's. I mean, I so I think what you've mentioned there. There's 
there's a lot of that good stuff that mm-hmm. I think came out from the ateliers and and just people out there doing really good work. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also curious in like where can we improve mm-hmm. as a as a as a group as a whatever we want to call ourselves. Like where can we get a little bit better? And I think some of that is just maybe outside the art itself. Maybe, but also it's but you know, know pushing like to do those big projects that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like I think. There aren't many people doing like big multi-figure canvases Mm -hmm. in in that tradition, you know, the, you know, Italian tradition. And Mm -hmm. I think seeing that would, you know, maybe inspire people to do things that we're not even thinking of. But it it Mm -hmm. for sure would be pushing in in an area that, you know, and creating the sort of more public works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they would – if you had an example of it, I think that a patron could mm. actually see or somebody who was actually in right. charge, you know, can see, oh, this has got potential, you know. Yeah. It could be really interesting to have on our – you know, in our lobby <laughs> or something. Right, like or that. like in Probably some – you know, in yeah. the dome of some building yeah. that we're constructing right now. To mm-hmm. Let's get it done. <laughs> I think so. Absolutely. Got to talk to my architect friends. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I know your time is limited. Yeah, thank you so much oh, for absolutely. sitting it was down awesome. and yeah. taking the time and – and, and it just an hour and a half just flew by. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. That's and a, right yeah, after yeah. you finished doing a demo, a demo. and talking for, for an hour for a crowd while you're doing a beautiful drawing. Yeah, I'll just collapse right now. <laughs> yeah, okay. But it was great, really. Uh, you know, yeah. just fantastic to meet you guys. And, yeah, and, uh, you know, yeah, you too. And, I mean, yeah. I've been wanting to mm-hmm. – to get to speak with you for yeah. for a long time yeah. so I'm glad we were finally able to do it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's funny cuz every time I'll go into somebody's home who might be a collector, you could just see your work from across. You're like, "Yep, it is." Like there's no there's no question that it's like, "Oh, I know exactly who drew or painted that painting." Uh, thanks. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you've got like a I mean, it's it's uniquely yours, all of your work. I mean, that's that's fantastically like strong artistic person I appreciate it. Yeah, so. Maybe I'll stay in that comfort zone. Yeah, that's a good, good <laughs> that's spot to be. Yeah. 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 We'll stay there. Again. Oh, absolutely. Was it was awesome. great. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thanks for uh, listening and uh, yeah, just keep on uh, hopefully listening. And, and thank we'll you, Face Conference, out. for uh, setting all this up. Yeah. We'll see you all soon. Bye. 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 <laughs> oh, great. Oh, that was awesome. All right. Fantastic. Fantastic.